Welcome to North Beat from North Beach. I'm your host, Corey Luna, and on our seventh episode, I chat with Evan Buswell, who performs his next expanse in the Bay Area. We met last year at a show, and I brought him over today to talk about the synthesizers we love and a little in-depth on their electronics. A brief announcement before our episode begins. My friend Rich Hogben and I have started a new electronic show called Peaked in San Francisco, hosted at Supply Frame on 3rd and Bryant. Information and RSVP is available on the Meetup app for Peaked. You can also look us up on Instagram under Peaked SF. Our first show will be April 17th. Outdoors open at 6.30 p.m. Show starts at 7. We'll end up by 9. And our guests will be Musical Fungus and Matt Biddle. Find Peaked on the Meetup app. Evan, uh, give me a little background on you a little bit. Uh, what's your full name? Evan Buswell. Um, yeah. And I play as Next Expanse. I'd, and where does Next Expanse come from? Um, I don't know that I want to put much weight on the name um, one way or the other, but uh, basically the idea is just, you know, it's there's an expanse it's where we are it's um a mode of being a mode of existing in the world and just sort of looking at the next one and it's sort of um i guess it's a way of thinking about uh utopia a little bit less um less absolutely so like not uh not change for a uh, a particular sort of like definitive end but more um <coughs> more change towards just whatever's next. Okay. I like the name personally. I have always Thanks. enjoyed it just because to me it kind of reminds me of like kind of the Big Bang Theory in outer space. So, <laughs> and the fact that we're playing synthesizers, I think it, it matches pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I hadn't actually thought of it in terms of space, but um, like outer space, but uh yeah, no, I mean that that makes sense. I'm I'm happy for everybody to get whatever they get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And when did you get into playing synthesizers? So that's a that's kind of a weird question um, or a weird answer rather. Um, I I became interested in electronic music and in um, synthesizers probably almost like. 20 years ago 25 something like that um but didn't really do anything with it um i uh <clears throat> i've always been interested in um the technical details of music um like all the math and um sort of how sound works how you know how to construct sound um and and yeah, so I so I actually started out um, majoring in composition in my undergrad, um, but then turned away from that to to go to um, what I'm studying now to more cultural studies type of stuff. But um, 
but you know at the time like I gave it up and I was like oh well you know it's like I have to do one thing with my life and I'm gonna go do this like cultural studies thing and it's really wasn't until uh, about four or five years ago that, that I sort of you know, came to the conclusion, well, you know, I, I don't have to do one thing. I can do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so that's when, that's when I, I, uh, actually bought some hardware synthesizers. Um, but before that, um, for a while as kind of a sort of hobby type of thing, um, or just sort of something to do when I, when I'm not studying, um, I started making, um, programming um i started programming uh a synthesis framework um and so you know got really into that and like looked through all of that but you know it's it's uh i spent a lot of time doing that um and i i think that i think that's ultimately ended up being valuable like for um for my own sort of like education and my knowledge of uh, how all of this works. Um, but, you know, I think I always wanted to be analog to, to go with analog stuff. Um, and you really learn, like when you start uh, looking at the math, uh, like why it's so hard to make a synthesizer in software. Um, just because like there's, there's this, this circular frequency domain, um, whenever you, um, whenever you have digital audio um and you know when you're recording that's not really a problem because you just sort of like uh bracket out everything that you know isn't in in a linear frequency domain but uh when you're synthesizing it it's much much more difficult because you know you have all these crazy sort of feedback loops and stuff like that that you commonly use in synthesis um but you're not really able to do them you know, in the digital domain because, uh, not without a lot of modification, you know? Um, so it's, so yeah, so I, I've, uh, I got a hardware synth about five years ago. Um, the Yamaha CS5, um, which is beautiful synth. Yeah. It's very nice. It's fantastic. Um, and it kind of just went from there. Um, you know, I started, you know, once you get one, then you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing this now, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, uh, bought some more, uh, and I tried to avoid uh, Eurorack for a little while just because of the expense, but uh, yeah, there was no avoiding it. Like, there was, you know, th it's what I wanted to do. Um, once you get into it, I think, you know, it's it intimidating before you get into it, and once you get into it, you realize it's it's not that difficult that it's it's actually more of an educational fun thing that you really enjoy yeah yeah definitely yeah um yeah and i mean i wasn't i wasn't too worried about that you know having having gone through a lot of the those sorts of things like um in software um so so i i was pretty i was ready like i knew i knew what all the elements were and like how they fit together and stuff like that but it was just uh, I mean, for me, it was really just like, it was just sort of like the expense and also the, also sort of like limiting the complexity um, in order to sort of facilitate uh, creativity, um, which, you know, that's something I'm still struggling with. And, and it's, it's 
difficult with with modular you know to 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 limit things um because it's kind of the whole ethos of modular right is is to have um just this infinite possibility like here's a module it does this thing you can use it any way you could possibly want right and it's sort of uh that's that's good um and i want that but i'm i'm currently trying to sort of figure out how to both have that and to have you know more speed to focus in on what i want to focus on you know rather than trying to focus on everything at once right no i get that because you know because once you start getting into your rack it's you have to figure out how you can control those modules to make them do what you really want them to do but at yeah. the same time, while you're experimenting with them, you're going to find new new sounds they didn't expect to hear, and then you want to explore those sounds. So it you know can it can kind of take away from the creative process of if you have a goal already, it can you can easily get distracted. But again, it it goes back to the idea of having a concept of what you think you might want to do, but it won't always come out as the same result. Yeah, definitely. And like, and that's, you know, that's been fortuitous. I think a lot of, um, a lot of my best songs, you know, are, are definitely, um, definitely things that, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't totally expecting, um, you know, like, Hey, I'll try like throwing this stuff in a feedback loop and let's see what it sounds like. Let's see how that works. And that worked great. you know, um, but, but I guess, you know, for me like it a lot of people who do modular um really focus in on the sounds and on the timbre and sort of like creating textures and stuff like that and i'm i'm definitely interested in that but um i'm also trying to preserve um attention on on melody um on on sort of like the more uh the more common songwriting uh pieces like melody harmony rhythm um stuff that you have you know in in any any instrument um and and so with modular like it's definitely it's a challenge to hold on to that while also you know looking into um looking into timbre and texture and um you know evolving sounds and all of that but um but yeah i mean i think it's i think it's a good challenge but it's definitely one that i'm still I'm still working on, I'm still sort of like thinking about my setup and, uh, and how I want to best sort of tie those things together, um, through the hardware. What, um, I was curious about what you were mentioned, what you mentioned before about programming and working with, uh, synthesizers. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on that for me? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, um, so they're basically like, uh, one of the things that I that I study um, in in my scholarship is uh, the history of programming languages and code, um, and so I'm very interested in sort of like how 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 programming languages work um, in terms of um, in terms of like you know what they what they show you, how they make you think, um, stuff like that, and so uh, there's uh, been this movement that's, you know, still pretty small of, uh, live coding, um, where basically, you know, somebody sits down and just like 
uh, on the fly puts their code up on the screen and programs something that then makes music um, before an audience, which um, this is really interesting to me just because, you know, it's it's a very different way of going about coding. And so um, I kind of ended up getting into that. Um, I never really got anywhere with it. I mean, I, I don't think I could, I don't know that I could do that. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very different skill than, than programming normally. But, um, but as I was getting into that, you know, I, I sort of, uh, started building, um, a framework for how I'd want to be able to, to do the live coding. Um, and so I built a, a synthesis library. Um, it's actually on GitHub called Sonic Maths that, um, you know, and, and, uh, like I said, you know, this is all, these, these are all sort of old projects that kind of never went anywhere. And, uh, you know, now I'm much more interested in, in analog and, um, and I'm, I am transferring, trying to transfer some of like, you know, what I learned and what I thought of with the programming to, um, electronics and trying to learn analog electronics, but that's definitely, um, you know, that's a, that's a whole other, a whole other path to, to learn and to go down that, you know, I've, I've just started really. Um, I mean, in, in some ways, you know, it's like, I have a couple designs, but, um, you know, I haven't actually made anything and it's, uh, there's a lot to go that goes into it. So it's a lot of work. So your project was Sonic Maths that you had previously worked on? Yeah. yeah. And tell me a little bit more about that. Like, as, as you were saying, you were getting into doing the whole, you were, you were interested yeah. in doing live code, which kind of sounds like it goes into this, what you, this project you're working on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, Sonic Maths was well the the idea that i had was to try to make a live coding environment in just c um like the c programming language and um and so really all the sonic maths was was just like a collection of very common uh synthesis routines so i'd have like you know a oscillator um I mean, pretty much not, not too different from modular, like, but instead of, you know, modules, they're functions. Um, and, uh, I pretty much, I, I, I pretty much got any, I got to the point where anything that I'd want to do, I could do, except that, you know, it turned out to be, you know, it's just not, it's, for me anyway, it's not that intuitive or hands-on to do it via code. Um, and it's much more, uh, much more sort of intuitive to do it, um, via, you know, a modular type of setup. And so, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still like interested in the phenomena of, of live coding. Um, I, I find it fascinating that people do it. Um, I think it's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe someday, you know, I might end up making something more for that but it's it's become clear to me that that's not um that's not a musical direction for me okay yeah that's something that i'm i'm very i'm aware of just from from uh someone else mentioning it to me a few months ago and it just kind of reminded me about when my girlfriend did a boot camp for coding mm -hmm. and her sh you know when she was showing me all the code she was learning with like you know bootstrap and and um 
and some other languages beyond that. And she was saying that, you know, they would have to go up on the dry eraser board and write down everything. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, okay, this is what live coding would be, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming, I've never seen it in person, but I, like, I'm assuming like that's, that's basically like how it would start at before as you would like create the music from that code. I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, the the thing that makes live coding interesting is that, you know, you have a program running that you're modifying by writing code as it's running without, you know, ever stopping it. Um, so that's that's kind of like, that's what makes it a sort of interesting space for programming. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, for me, like, much more interesting for the programming of it than really for the music. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's musicians that I like that do live coding. Um, I think uh, Renick Bell um, is one that comes to mind. Um, but uh, but really, you know, it's it's not for me. <laughs> right yeah. now, with uh, so with, with with within live coding and sonic maths, were you performing any of these things or working with oh, no. uh, other people at all? No, no, no. Doing that stuff, you know, I, I never got that to the point where, where I was actually playing music. You know, I was really just writing code. All right. Just kind of went into that as a hobby, kind of? or Yeah, yeah. I mean, just sort of a, a hobby, something to do. You know, I I feel like, you know, for me, the the afterlife of that, like, like what's still active is, um, First of all, just sort of like an understanding of synthesis that I developed from that. Um, but also, you know, I, I do have uh, some aspirations to eventually make um, make some modules of my own design. That'd be fascinating to see. Yeah, now, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, without getting giving too much away, do you have any concepts you could uh, mention? Uh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, and assuming you, you're, would you be doing all analog or do you like yeah. digital? Well, a mix. Some things are just, you know, impractical, impractical to do, um, to do an analog like, uh, you know, reverb or something like that. Um, but, but in general, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would try to do analog as much as possible just because, um, like I said, you know, it's, it's, there's this there's this circular frequency domain when you go into digital. Um, and it's, it's why, you know, something like, um, like the DX seven, you know, it's, it has, it can do these crazy clean sounds. Yeah. Um, so really like there's, there's two things that I have in mind that, um, that I really want to create, um, because they're not out there. One is sort of a, uh, diffuse delay, um, and, uh, that would be sort of like, what's at the core of a reverb algorithm. Like, um, like a lot of reverb alg algorithms will basically have this delay, but then it delays the signal into like 20 different, you know, things each with their own slightly different delay. Um, and, uh, and that's cool, right? You know, but it's not, you know, that's, that's at the core of most algorithms and it's not really modular yet, you know? And so I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I want to take that out. And so you just have this diffuse delay that you can, you know, use, um, to do a, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it should be able to do, you know, car plus strong with it in a different and interesting way, you know, cause most car plus strong algorithms just have, uh, 
a single delay line rather than sort of like this more diffuse delay type of thing. Um, so that's one thing that I want to do. Um, that would have to be digital though. And so I, you know, I've just started, I mean, I, I know how to program, but I don't really know anything about digital electronics. So, um, that's, that's probably much further off. Um, the other thing that I want to make is, uh, basically I figured out a way to have to control um, the harmonics more or less directly of, this, of an oscillator. So um, uh, this is maybe harder to, to describe, um, but uh, you know, you'd have like a root note and then sort of a, a CV that controls just the level of harmonics. So, um, you know, rather than having like uh, fixed things like saw or square or triangle or something like that, just sort of more directly control it. And then um, also it could control the harmonic stride, so the space between the harmonics, which is usually integer. Um, but uh, for for instruments that are, you know, that have a resonator that's, you know, not just one dimensional, it can be um, non-integer. So like a cymbal or something like that, you know, has has harmonics that are um, not quite regularly spaced, but actually like can be um, pretty well approximately by approximated by um, regularly spacing harmonics, but at non-integer intervals. And so, uh, so basically, it'd be some it'd be some kind of super oscillator that you know more or less uh, did that. Um, and uh, and so you know like a lot of the functions that you know filter has at this point um you you should be able to do with this oscillator um but i mean it's you know this is theoretical i haven't built it yet but um i i have done the math and it should work <laughs> <laughs> should work you should like work. that <laughs> <laughs> well i think there's a lot of there's quite a, there's a few things within the modular world that that haven't quite been made yet yeah like one of the main things i've always enjoyed is I've always enjoyed vocoders. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's not really wide within the module world right now. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a single module that is particularly made for vocoding. Uh, I bought um, a module that is basically a, a CB microphone input. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And all it has is a gain and an output. That's all yep. it does. Yep. But you know, from there, I, you can feed it into any module that can take the audio frequency and manipulate it from there. Yeah. So you know, and that and that's that's fun, but it's not quite exactly what I'm looking for. Say with like the MS two thousand. Yeah. Is yeah. you know a is a massive vocoder. Yeah. No, I love vocoders. Um. Yeah. I mean, the problem with with vocoders in analog is just uh, there's just so much to them. Like, cause basically, uh, they're gonna break up, um, two signals into you know twenty some parts or so. And so whatever's doing something with one part that's replicated 20 times. So you basically have 20 VCAs, 20 filters, right? So it's at the time that you, by the time you have all that stuff, um, I think it's just uh, expensive and it's it's also sort of like difficult to to get it all calibrated correctly. Um, but there there were a couple of vocoder model modules. Um, there's one right now that's digital um i can't remember the name of but um dopefer had a analog one that was pretty cool but they discontinued it and i i assume for it was just you know not it wasn't marketable at the price that it would cost to make it um 
there's some DIY ones out there too, but you know, I've been, again, you know, it's, it's daunting because anything you do, it's, you're going to do it like 20 times. So it's a lot of electronics. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't too sure about it. I've never, I'm not a builder really. Yeah. Like I've done, I've done a couple of kits, but you know, that's, but that's about all I know how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, the the digital stuff it's it's much easier you know obviously they just put a chip in and then tell the chip to vocode <laughs> more or less <laughs> okay um and uh they have those out there um so i mean if if you're into that you should look um i can't remember the name of of uh of some of them but there's there's a couple and there's also there's some guitar pedals too that, that do vocoding yeah there's um electroharmonics has at least one or two yeah i think they have two out there right now that yeah. that, that i know of yeah, I mean, and often, often pedals are, you know, like the best way to get sort of more, more like specific effects like that, you know, where, where yeah. it's less, that's true. Less Even, like um, and, uh, what was it? Elisis put out, um, back in like 2003 or 2004, they put out a series called the Mod Effects pedals, which yeah. were, you know, more, more or less, uh, them putting, you know, various synthesizer effects into, into pedals that were more geared more towards guitarists, even though I think only synthesizer people were really picking them up. But they did make a, um, a vocoder one called Mod. I think it was, yeah, this is a vocoder, and I never got my hands on it. And it retail, you know, people are reselling it for like 250 bucks, but it oh, retail, <laughs> when it came out, it was like $40. Right. So, yeah. like, I can't bring myself to drop 250 bucks on a yeah. pedal that I know that I could have bought for 50, 40 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they don't have more uh, more digital ones out there for cheap because there's not really a reason they should cost that much money. I don't think so either. Uh, it's just more of a collector's item because it was a one-time thing that yeah. they ever made. I mean, I think I think it must just be like a market thing. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, I I use uh, I use pedals for most of my effects. Um, you know, I I sort of I I try to. I mean, I've, I've mostly performed with modular just because, um, you know, you have so much that you can bring with you in a relatively small package. Definitely. Um, but, uh, but in the studio, you know, I use a lot of, um, a lot of different hardware synths and, uh, it's nice to have the effects in, in pedal form. It makes it easier to, you know, plug them between different, different things and sort of make it more of a whole, uh, a whole ecosystem rather than just, you know, the modular doing its thing. What are the other hardware synths you're working with? Um, so, uh, I have a matrix six R, which is beautiful analog polysynth, probably the closest thing that you can really get to an analog modular, um, poly synth. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not quite modular, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, and, uh, and then I have, um, a dx7 which is beautiful um uh like i mentioned the the cs5 the yamaha cs5 um and then i have a insonic vfx that's this odd wavetable synth from the 90s that um that does some really beautiful sounds it might be from the 80s i'm not sure it's, it's i'm not, I'm not anyway. familiar with that one myself yeah but um wavetables are something that kind of perplex me yeah i mean it's just uh basically it's just you know there's a sound and then there's you know you can modulate the sound along some other access 
axis that does something, you know, and uh, and so you know, it could be like a frequency sweep. Um, it could be like, you know, the way the timbre of the sound changes over time. Um, yeah, there there, um, a lot of these things, you know, it's it's sort of unfortunate how much they've named them based on like their technical basis when like really they're not that complicated. I mean, because I've got one of the first modules I bought myself, which I thought was going to be really fun, which I just kind of found it a little bit more frustrating to work with, was I got the Waldorf NW1 wavetable. Oh, yeah. And one of the thing is, I think it's like 24 HP by itself. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. massive. Right. It weighs about two pounds by itself. Yeah. And it's really kind of difficult to really make it work with everything else. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a, I mean, that's a problem with digital just generally. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something that's just always a problem. I mean, like, like the couple, even, even the DX7, which has this sort of like warm analog feel to it in a lot of ways, um, or it can, if you, you know, set the parameters, right. Um, even that it's, it's often too clean. Like you need something to, screw it up a little bit to get it to, to get it to sit right with other other stuff so um, now the first time i met you you were playing the dx7 at yeah. uh, resonant frequencies right? right that was april 1st last year yeah, yeah yeah and it was what you that composure was beautiful well, thank you thank you um yeah no i i love the dx7 it's you know it can do it can do a lot of interesting stuff that it's a lot more difficult to do with with modular analog stuff um, just because you know you, you have six different oscillators all modulating each other right um so yeah that's awesome and i'm also impressed that you have a uh i'm glad you're that you have a cs5 as a i have had a bandmate years ago back in the early aughts who had a cs5 it was really fun to play with yeah no the cs5 is i mean the cs5 is is kind of magic you know and it's it's something that that I think is a lot of how I want my modular to work somehow. Um, just because like the way the CS5 is set up is it's kind of exactly what you need to create some good synthesis, like, and nothing else. So it's just very, very minimal. You know, it has like, you know, the, the single oscillator that you could mix, you know, square and, and, uh, saw, um, it has, uh, you know, one filter, one envelope, one LFO, and that's it. You're done. Yeah. You know, you're done. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the, the thing about it is you can create some incredibly interesting sounds with it, um, with just that. And, uh, and so that's, that's something that I'm really trying to look at in my modular setup and in, in thinking about how I want to have, everything organized um just you know to to have that sort of uh minimalism available you know where it's it's definitely i'm not necessarily thinking about everything all at once but it's sort of like this is all you need like you don't like don't don't add things you know i mean like there's that uh 
famous saying, you know, that perfection is achieved not when you have nothing left to add, but nothing left to take away, you know, and I'm sort of like, modular is almost like the opposite of that ethos, you know, especially, it's like, oh, you have a space, like, put another module in, right, (laughs) and and it's sort of like, um, I'm trying to figure out how to think about modular uh, with that more, you know, nothing to take away ethos, like, how, how can I get this so that this is, exactly what I need and and nothing more um so I think that's I think that's by far you know the bigger challenge with modular you know with with any other synth it's sort of like it does its thing and like you use it but uh but just the expandability of modular is you know both its strength and its weakness really definitely similar to the similar to the CS5 you know I have got an SH101 Mm -hmm. and also similarly it's set up with one of everything and it does everything right really well it's one of the most unique beautiful sense of you know of the vintage 80s and it's still to this day i can play it and still find wonderful things in it right right. you know anytime i turn it on i'll find something fun out of it and it's always it's always a pleasure to play it's never you know you're never fighting it to make it do something like with modular you might be you might have a concept you want to get out of it but you can't always because you're because you're not getting the right, you know, your patch is not right. You've got to switch something around, and then you might lose something that you wanted to keep. And then that's one of the things that's, you know, modular versus a hard synth. It's already it's already preset, and whoever has designed it already knows it's going to work, mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I think that's I think that's something that's really missing from the modular world is you know, like you have a. Um, what is it like the 2600 right you know you have you have all of these libraries of people doing these insane percussion sounds and stuff like that 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 kids are downloading off the internet and stuff but but uh but you know it's it's like the actual content of that synth is just not that many things like it's no it really isn't you know it's really nothing i mean like that's like like one row of 84 HP and like that, that should be more than enough to build yourself a 2600. But, and yet, you know, you see so many people who have just like racks and racks of, of this modular gear and they're not really making sounds as interesting as came out of that 2600. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I really think, you know, like that's something that's missing is sort of uh, like collections of modules that are really like designed not to, be the best this or the best that but to work together um and to uh to work together to to be able to create really interesting sounds on without uh without there being you know character in every single element but but maybe character more in the whole and everything coming together very much like a symphony comes together as you've got multiple parts playing all at once and it sounds gorgeous together but if you separate them then there it's not as unique and interesting it's you're hearing one part instead of the entire orchestra together yeah and, and that's and that's a way i think that not everybody really thinks about modular that way but it's definitely a concept that where you just have you just need the right amount the right pairing of modules to get beautiful tones out of it and you don't really you really don't need a lot yeah it's something yeah. that and it's also about you know the education of it and learning about what sounds you like, what sound, and what works with each other, and you might want to have to swap something out, or trade, or buy, sell something, to try to match up those modules to get that right tone. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. And that's, I mean, like, that's how I'm trying to think about it, you know, but of course, like, you know, all that being said, it's, you know, I have like three filters and I want more because everyone has a different sound and I love all the sounds. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, it's easy to, to preach it, but it's, it's hard to really, um, to figure out what it is that, you know, you can, you can let go of, um, to get that simplicity. Definitely. And it's, what's, unique to me is that you know I'm, I'm still kind of you know I've gotten into playing modular but I didn't really start physically playing until maybe uh, maybe a year ago or so but even though I started studying it like two years ago yeah. before I really dove into it physically and you know I started out getting the Curtis filter because I've always I always adored uh, the Pro 1 that's yeah. one of my favorite synths of all time and you know maybe someday I'll I'll throw it down for it, but you know not right now. Yeah. Uh, that and I've also never seen one that really works that well anymore. Yeah. You know there's always a dead key on there somewhere, but you know I've always I always appreciated the filter on that synth, so I bought that one out of from Dave Smith, and and but I don't know anyone else who has that filter. Nobody else does. Everyone else has got dope fur and everything else instead yeah. of that, which which says something about it, which means that. You know, if more people are using Dofer over, over, you know, DSI, there's a reason for that because you know there's a particular sound that Dofer is creating that everybody likes and wants to incorporate in their system a little bit more. Well, it's also cheaper. It is cheaper. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that honestly has a lot to do with it. That I, has I, to do with a lot of modules. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, yeah, no, the Curtis filters, the Curtis filters, interesting. It's, um, the, the matrix six has Curtis filters on it, um, actually. So, uh, it's, it has a beautiful sound, but, um, one of the things that, you know, I both sort of like and don't like about it is it doesn't stand out a whole lot. It's sort of, it, it does what it does. Um, it filters, you hear it, it sounds good, but it's not like, oh man, that's definitely a Moog filter they're using or like, oh man, that's definitely like a, you know, MS-20 style filter, you know, like these, these filters that have just so much more, um, more that defines them, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, you know, I mean, like, it's always good to have, to have character, but you want to have, you want to have like the kind of character that is versatile. I mean, at least in a modular, you know, you know, so, with um, tell, what are you doing right now with your music and what your aspirations with it? Yeah. Um, so basically, like, I have a bunch of stuff that I've recorded. Um, I've been doing a lot of recording. Um, and uh, probably I'm going to put out an EP pretty soon. Um <clears throat> It's mostly stuff that I've uh, recorded at the Res Freak. Um, uh, that's resonance frequencies. Um, but then, in in addition to that, um, uh, I have basically two other things that I'm thinking of releasing. One is sort of a. I, I'm not sure whether I'm going to end up releasing this, but one is sort of like this uh, this very short EP of healing music that I wrote for a friend. Um, and then the other uh, actually released a while ago. It's kind of... Uh, well, basically, it's, it's a... 
album of Christmas songs that are cut up and turned very strange. Um, that you know, it's I I debated you know I've I've debated on and off you know whether to like even like associate myself with it because you know Christmas music has such like an anathema to it. Um, but uh, but basically you know like it was it was a really good project just um, just for. Um, for figuring everything out, you know, I think like, you know, you give yourself something that you, you can tell yourself like doesn't have high stakes and all of a sudden, like, you know, you get this sort of like experimental openness and like, you know, ability to, to figure out how to do things and, 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 uh, and make stuff. So, yeah. So I have, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I should be coming out with, with some kind of EP like relatively soon, although, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm also supposed to finish my dissertation relatively soon. So, uh, that's going to have to take priority. So we'll see how soon relatively is. Um, but, um, but yeah, in general, you know, like I really, um, I really want to pursue both, both the live and the, um, the recorded stuff and really sort of look more towards, developing melody, um, developing harmony, um, and really having like a, a solid, like harmonic and melodic base to, to what I'm doing. Um, uh, you know, and I mean, like, I like the, dr the drone stuff too, but it's, there's something about, you know, the melodic stuff that I'm really focusing in on right now. No, I, I definitely, I, I hear you on that, man. I think the melodies are where it's at right now. <laughs> definitely. I'm curious about, tell me a little bit more about this Christmas thing. Yeah. Is it an album? Is it so a Christmas album? Or I'm not I sure. guess it's an album. I mean, like, it's a bunch of songs. Um, what was your concept so for it? It's, you know, this this is, uh, I put it out under Chris Kringle, K-R-1-S something, K-R-1-N-G-L-E, I think. Um I don't know. There's some ones and threes in there because it's silly and ridiculous. Um, but yeah, you know, this, this happened actually because, um, you know, it was around the holidays and I was walking around and like happens on the holidays, you hear these songs that you've heard like a million times, like over and over again. And, you know, you walk in, hear this song, walk in, hear this song. And like just everywhere you go, it's the same stuff over and over again. And there's kind of this sort of, odd monotony to it um but also this sort of this way that you you kind of ignore the music like so you're ignoring it while you're you're um while you're listening to it and so uh, you know I wanted to to do something with that to sort of see like okay well you know what what can I hear in this like the that isn't necessarily evident at, at first listen you know what what can I hear um and so uh basically I tried to pull out just like these parts of each bit, um, and just throw it in there. Um, some things are looped, some things are more like sample oriented, um, you know, where the, where the sample just goes occasionally. Um, and just sort of like try and figure out like, uh, like how can I make this into something other than it already was, you know, how can I make it, you know, make it new? Um, uh, is how, you know, Ezra Pound would put it, um, or, or, you know, like, like, and then this was a lot inspired by, um, uh, Vaporwave and, and, uh, 
you know, OPN. And, and, uh, there's this thing that, um, that Daniel Lopatin said, uh, in some interview somewhere, um, where, you know, he's like, there's not good or bad sounds. Like there's not like a synth that sounds good or a synth that sounds bad. There's just, everything just has its sound. And then like you use it and you use it for the sound that it has, you know? So thinking about it that way, you know, it's like, okay, well, what if like, what if these songs weren't, you know, this like inane chatter to, you know, uh, pull us through like some kind of commercial commercialized holiday season, but we're just sort of like raw material that they just are what they are. They just have the sound that they have. Um, and, and yeah, you know, so, so I think, I think that album was actually relatively successful. Um, I mean, in, in what I tried to, what I tried to do, um, it's, it was called, uh, seven apparitions for Santa on a, on a synthesizer. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I should, I should be able to remember like the, the weird, uh, um, which weird characters I used in my artist name so that I can put that out there, but um, I can't, but, but I can at least remember if, if you want to look it up, it's seven apparitions for Santa on a synthesizer. It's definitely something um, I want to listen to actually. Yeah. I, and I mean, like, it's also sort of like, there's, it's not like there's any of that out there, right? There's not like electronic Christmas music. No, not um, really. That's not, that's not true. Actually, when I, when I did it, I, I found out there was a little bit, but there's there, not, there not is. much. Um, I think in the, I can't remember who it was. Somebody did, not recently, probably like in the 60s or 70s, someone put out a Christmas album composed entirely on a synthesizer. It was like it was like Moog Christmas or something. <laughs> like a Moog, a Moog Christmas something like that, but yeah, yeah, it was it was yeah. straight up just, you know, Christmas composers right, right. On, a synthesizer. on a synthesizer. And it, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. You know, it was, I had listened to it, you know, at work and made my friends listen to it and they were like, "What the hell are you listening to?" Like Wendy yeah. Carlos style. Pretty yes, yeah. very much like yeah. Wendy Carlos. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah, you know, and I'd like the, I would like to hear this very much. So now, tell me about the album that you're working on now. Okay, so the so the album I'm working on now, um, it's more of an EP. Um, I've I've kind of decided, you know, like I'm I think I'm over albums. Like I think I don't think I'm ever gonna put out a, a full album out. I mean, if it if it ends up being that long, then fine. But you know, it's it's I like the idea of sort of like a, a short sort of directed burst of activity that that sort of more fits the EP format. So. Um, so what I'm working on right now, though, is is pretty much just, uh, you know, this is this is probably like one of the less thought through, directed albums that that I that I've had, you know, um, or that that I have that I've thought of rather, um, and and it's more mostly just you know stuff that I've been doing for the last uh, three or four years. So um, a lot of a lot of the pieces that I felt were more successful at resonant frequencies. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put those on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally the, the tenor, it's going to be called structures. Um, and, uh, generally the tenor is, is very much maybe less like, you know, this melodic harmonic stuff that I'm talking about and more just sort of, uh, drone pieces though there, there's there's a little bit of melody in there definitely you know i mean i mean I, i'm always going to put a little melody in the things i i do but yeah sort of sort of drone pieces things that are sort of you know more more sort of like structuring music and space and and thinking about texture and and all that okay 
I like that. Um, tell me why, what's your concept behind doing rather more, sounds like you want to do more like long tracks rather than albums, which would be like, you know, eight to 10 tracks. Yeah. Um, tell me why you, you say you're, you think you're done with doing albums. Um, I mean, not that I ever really started, but, um, <laughs> but, but I just, I, I guess I feel like it's, it's kind of a, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this, in this era. Um, like, uh, if I was going to release, you know, a, an actual vinyl or, or cassette, you know, I might, I might think differently, but, um, but it's sort of like, why, why keep the album format? You know, like, it's not, it's not clear to me that, that there's any particular reason to keep the album format and, um, and yeah, the EP format just sort of, it's sort of, I think it more closely aligns with, um, with like a body of work, the notion of like a body of work, like, like a visual artist would have, you know, like where they do like four or five paintings and then they move on to something else that they're thinking about, you know, like, and it's sort of like they, they move on to something else that they're thinking about whenever they sort of think about the next thing or whenever they're done with what they're doing and it's it's not so much like well I got to get an hour worth of music like you know in this thing that I'm working on right now and then I'll like move on to the next thing it's like I don't, I don't want to do that you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a particular sort of mode that I'm going about making music in at a given time and so I'm, I'm gonna when I'm in that mode i'm going to construct the songs in that mode and then when i'm done i'm going to move on to the next thing and uh for me it seems to basically not last for the length of an album you know like okay. I, I have the next thing comes sooner um so it's eps i guess uh, uh, i was so this probably goes along with the whole digital realm now where everything yeah. is pretty much just downloaded now right and a lot of people are downloading singles rather than full albums because one you know because usually there's going to be one or two good tracks on a full album that everyone's going to download and everyone's not really going to download everything else and is that kind of with the concept that you have for the ep um partly but but also i mean i mean it's not so much you know like like i like i definitely don't want to move to like a single oriented like frame of mind you know like i I, th I think that, you know, when I'm, when I'm composing, like I compose things that are related. Um, and so it wouldn't, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not composing each song individually. Like song is maybe not entirely like the unit I'm working with. Um, um, so, so yeah, so not, not so much that, but, you know, just sort of, it's more like the, the, the digital release format and sort of like what it, what it entails it's like <clears throat> like making a release in digital is in a lot of ways not that big a deal you know there's um like it's I don't, I don't have to like send away for records that then come mailed to me or whatever it is you know like it's i just put it on Bandcamp and then it's done um and so so yeah so that's sort of like that ease of release like it makes it it makes it makes more sense, you know, than to, to release like little bits more often than, you know, releasing a whole bunch all at once, like as an album and like, there, it's an album. I made it, you know, um, you know, 
Yeah, I get that because I pushed myself to do an album, and I don't think anyone's really listening to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I took a listen. It's, Did you? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it was fun. You know, I really enjoyed doing it, and that's something that that's one of the things that I always wanted to do. You know, growing up, and with all the bands I played in, never was I really satisfied with what we were doing, and you know, a, you know, there's a few instances where we either did a demo. It was it was always demos. We never f- did a full album with any band I was ever in. No one, we never were around long more than like two years for any band. Right. And so nothing ever came to fruition. So now with how so many people are are structured with just working by themselves now, I just I told myself, okay, now's my time. I I've been I've been writing music solid for like two years now. I have almost three albums worth of music on my computer just sitting around what am i doing with it yep <laughs> i should put it out there somewhere yeah no i so, know that <laughs> i know I, that right one. yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I did it and you know i was i was probably a little ambitious with you know making some cassette tapes but i like it yeah you know? it was yeah. fun i think it's weird still that i put out cassette tapes but uh <laughs> yeah but um I, you know i think it's first i think that's where the trend is at the moment it's it seems to be and i i don't know if i want to go with that trend i'm i'm not clear like like i'm actually i've i've seen some people doing uh cassette loops and and uh using yeah, yeah. using tapes in a sort of more uh musical way um but ultimately it's you know like they're not high fidelity like i don't no they're not i, I don't see really a a good reason to put out a cassette personally you know like it's um, I mean, I, I tend to kind of obsess over over sound quality and, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and to, you know, just take that and throw it on a cassette, it's, I, I just don't see a compelling reason, you know, especially like, like you know, maybe maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago when, when digital was less capable, um, you know, maybe then. But, but now it's, you know, digital converters are just so good. Oh, yeah. Um, compared with... I mean, definitely compared with a cassette tape, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really kind of a no brainer to me, like which, which one I'd prefer to use. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, vinyls nowadays? I love vinyl. Um, but you know, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's impractical in a lot of ways. Um, and especially, you know, you know, I mean, there's, there's the format and then there's also like, you know, people's music consumption habits and stuff like that you know it's so much of the music i listen to is like in the car yeah or like at the gym and that's not you know on vinyl no it's not yeah (laughs) um yeah and so it's you know i have i have a record player i have a you know a really good like system for playing back vinyl and uh for the couple of records that managed to make it all the way through the production process without getting, you know, screwed up, they sound incredible and better than uh, any of the digital converters that I have. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's, it, it just seems a little impractical to me, you know? And I mean, like, uh, like, you know, if that, if that comes up down the road, like if I, you know, get associated with some kind of label that can like you know easily do that 
um, then yeah, I mean, like I'd love to put out some kind of vinyl, but I'm not gonna really focus on it or think too much about it. Yeah, I think then. it's definitely a, an endeavor that you really need um, a good core of you know people who are interested in in uh, picking up an, a vinyl from you in yeah. order to produce one because it's, yeah. it's an expensive process. Definitely. You, know? yeah. you mentioned earlier you made an album for a friend of yours about healing. Yes, and that's that's a very fascinating concept to me. And I'd like to hear about it. Uh, yeah. So this this came. Um, like I said, I'm not sure whether I'm going to release it or not. Um, because you know it's sort of, uh, in a lot of ways, it's between this friend and I. You know, and and uh, so we'll we'll see. I, I I might. Um, it's good. So, um, it would make sense to get out there. But 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 I'm gonna have to think about that. Um, but uh. But yeah, the notion was was not uh, not so much like about healing, but like for healing, like for like to have the music do that to to create healing. Um, and uh, so I think I probably was most inspired by um, there's this Arvo part piece uh, for the healing of Aranushka. Um, that's this beautiful piano piece. Um, and it just kind of like progresses from this, like, uh, I mean, if, if you're familiar with Ar- Arvo Part at all, like his, you know, his, uh, his melodies are like utterly simple and minimal. Um, and it, it progresses from this sort of like just slow minor to this major um, that then is like this lush thing at the end. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, the story behind that is, you know, one of his friends was sick and uh, he made this song, right? Um, so I was, I was somewhat inspired by that, you know, but also just sort of like, you know, one of the things that I'm always thinking about is, is sort of what music is and what it can do. Um, cause I, you know, I don't, I don't buy first of all that it's just for fun. Um, I don't, you know, it's not that it isn't fun, but that's not really why I'm doing it. Like there's a different kind of drive, you know? Um, but then also like, I don't, you know, I don't buy that it's expressive necessarily. You know, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, my favorite compositions are, you know, um, like classical compositions are, are these pieces that are just very, you know, kind of almost cerebral, you know, and, and, I, and I think modular too. Like in the modular world, you get a lot of these pieces that are, you know, um, kind of cerebral you know and, and and it's it's the trend to you know like to advertise everything by saying like oh this piece is so emotional or like something like that you know and and I don't have a you know I don't have a problem with that like I don't I don't think you know a piece shouldn't involve emotion or, or shouldn't have you know a big emotional component but um but you know you just never see someone saying like wow that this piece is like so intellectual like it, you know like it, it does this other thing you know um so those those are just sort of like two modes right you know but just just thinking through like all of the different things that music does and like like what it is and and uh and trying to expand that um and so so for this particular piece you know the idea was to sort of um produce these songs that would sort of move this person energetically. Um, I mean, move is maybe too direct, but maybe, maybe almost more like 
invite, create the environment for, for this person to move towards healing. Um, and, um, so, so yeah. And, and I think, you know, like, I think sound is just very powerful. Music is very powerful. Um, you know, it can do so much more than we've explored so far. I think you're onto something very much about that. Uh, personally, it's something that when you said you wrote an album for a friend of yours, you know, for healing, it resonated with me because over the t- past two years, I've been healing from, you know, from a, a large surgery I had. And it was, you know, it was, it was something that I was, you know, it was, I had to, I had to have, it was just, yeah. so th- but that wasn't the big deal. It was the process of, you know, getting back to where I was before the surgery yeah. and making sure that I can do those things again, be as physical as I was and getting, and that's when I got back into music. And that was something that I discovered about music again, was that it's not just about listening to music, but actually creating music was a way to allow myself to heal. And I, it, it was, it was transcendental. It was one of the most wonderful experiences that was that has happened to me in the past few years and that's one of the things that has moved myself to pursue going to the live shows supporting everybody who's doing these beautiful compositions in electronic music is that there's so much healing and heart in it yeah that's great it's beautiful that's great yeah that's very well said um yeah i'm 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 really glad that you've experienced that um and yeah, you know, the, like there is, you know, this trend within alternative medicine to uh, use sound for healing in, in various ways. Um, and uh, I actually did um, go to uh, this sort of sound room that they have like this table that vibrates these like sub bass frequencies and like, you know, headphones that they put all over your body and stuff like that. Um, and it was, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, you know, but but it's the people doing that are are so much at this point you know my my impression anyway you know and this is this is one experience that may not you know it may not go go out everywhere but my impression anyway is that the people doing this like they're not really musicians like they're they're thinking about sound as like almost this sort of like utilitarian thing you know where it's like oh we'll we'll get these two frequencies and they create this beat frequency like that you know and it's like okay great you know that may be true that there's some beat frequency that you get with these frequencies that like stimulates you know like the brain or the body to do this thing in this particular way and and that's that's interesting but you know why shouldn't it be musical too like why isn't that also part of it you know um, so yeah, so I'm very interested in that, in all, all of that stuff and, and exploring that and sort of seeing where it goes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I think this, this particular, uh, uh, EP I, I made for, for this friend is, you know, hopefully just, just the beginning of, of other things like in, in my explorations of this area. Um, so we'll see what happens. Hope to, I hope to maybe someday hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, cool, man. Uh, are, there, are there any other topics uh, we you wanted to get to today? I think we covered everything. I think we did pretty good, man. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you.